Wow, it's good to be back. It's wonderful. And as Richard said earlier, it's the beginning of Christmas. Can you believe it? So this is the first in the series of the Christmas series. It's amazing, isn't it? I think Christmas seems to come earlier every year. Decorations go up early. The lights are twinkling. It's just such an exciting time. Well, what does Christmas mean? What does it mean to you? Today we're going to just be digging a little bit deeper about the many things, but to so many of us, it's all about the turkey and the tinsel. Are you a TT fan? The turkey and the tinsel? <laughs> well, to many people, that's what it is, turkey and tinsel. You'll have it all the time. To many, it's just the joy of families getting together again, of sharing gifts and just sharing special moments, or watching children with that wide-eyed wonder as they just wait for the Christmas to come or the presents to arrive. For many, it's a cynical time because they realize just the cost of Christmas, that it's a really commercial time, that it's a very expensive time. And they're right, it is a very expensive time. To some, it's all about the work. I know so many mums who are thinking, Christmas, we've got all the family coming, we've got to buy the presents, we've got to wrap the presents, we've got to buy the food, we've got to cook the food, we've got to clean, we've got to get everything ready, and then all these parties, and afterwards you've got to clean again. <laughs> it's about the work. I think to many people that's it. To some people, Christmas is just the worst time of the year because it's the time that you realize that you really feel alone, an acute loneliness. Maybe you're missing that special someone who's no longer with you. Or maybe you just see everybody else having fun and you realize that you don't quite belong. So it is the worst time. But I like to think of it as the way the children do. Because they are just so full of excitement. They don't worry much about the, the wrappings and the trappings. They just think about, am I going to get what I really want? Am I going to get what I really want? And it's all about the gifts. And I think they are right. It is all about the gifts. And it's about getting what you really want. Now, why do I say that? Because the true meaning of Christmas, I believe, is not about the gifts, but about the gift. <laughs> the gift, which is what we really, really want what we need. So many of us don't even appreciate it, but it is. It's God's love, God's perfect love, coming down in a form that we could understand at last who he is. At last we could see love in a way that we could see, feel, touch. God's perfect, unconditional love wrapped up in an earth suit. That's the first Christmas. It's all about his gift. No wonder the angels sang Hosanna in the highest. It was just an amazing occurrence. The stars were there, but the angels just filled the skies. And those shepherds out on the hills, they were just dazzled. They'd never seen such a spectacle as that. And wise men came from the east, mile after mile, hundreds of miles after hundreds of miles, following the brightest star they had ever, ever seen 
on bumpy camels, which is not an easy journey. <laughs> if you've ever ridden on a camel, they go sideways, they don't go front and back. The wise men came, and I just love this intersection. There you get the shepherds sleeping in the fields of their sheep, so they smelt of their sheep. They would have had dirty fingernails, matted hair, but they came and they worshipped the baby in the manger. And the wise men came from the east, traveling so far to worship the Christ child, majestic, maybe with an entourage of servants, bringing expensive gifts. But this is God's perfect gift, his love coming down that very first Christmas, the gift of gifts. Wow. That baby born in a manger in Bethlehem was no ordinary baby. This was actually a cosmic event that has split the centuries. That's what it is. It is a cosmic event. God himself came to live with us and we all saw his glory, John says. So we're going to look at the two sides, the traditional side, the trad side, which is the stable, the manger, the Mary, the Joseph, the baby, the turkey, the tinsel, the mince pies. Or we can look at the rad, the trad or the rad, the radical, the real Christmas. Are you ready for it? This is the real Christmas. This is the cosmic Christmas. This is what it is truly all about, the true meaning. And it is God came into our world. <laughs> it's almost unthinkable, isn't it? God himself came into our world. We who are believers know that, but I want you to just open yourself afresh so he can energize the depth of what that really means. I just love so many versions of the Bible, but there's an introduction to one that I study a lot called the Amplified, and this is how it goes. God spoke, and galaxies whirled into their place. Stars burned in the heavens. Planets orbited their suns. Words of awesome, unleashed, unlimited power. He spoke again, and waters and lands were filled with growing, moving beings. Words of animation, of breathing, of pulsing life. <laughs> Again he spoke. Man and woman were formed, thinking, speaking, loving. Words, words of creative power and glory that was personal. The eternal, the unlimited, the almighty, who was, who is, who evermore shall be, the Lord, the creator, the maker. That word, and this is jaw-dropping stuff, that word became flesh and dwelt with us in a way that we could touch and feel and see. Woo! It's incredible, isn't it? 
you know, so often when I read scripture, I hear orchestras and symphonies. I could just hear this. I could almost hear the angels, couldn't you? Well, but isn't that amazing? That is the word. That word became flesh. But you know what's just amazing to me? That that mighty creator became part of his creation. And he chose to limit himself to the form of a baby to grow up as an ordinary man where he experienced pain, aging, suffering, and death. The true love propelled him to leave the splendor of glory and to come on the greatest rescue mission the world has ever known, to save us, to rescue us from being lost, and to put us back into alignment with God and to give us that abundance, that everlasting life. God came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. (laughs) That is the baby. And you know there was more power in that little finger of the baby than in the most powerful atomic bomb. But it was power for good, to love, to heal, to reconcile, to forgive. And he chose to limit it so he didn't display that power unleashed. He grew up as an ordinary man a young boy, a teenager, a man. There were times of divine flashes, as when Jesus was in the synagogue, but he waited until he was launched into his ministry when he took on that just identification with us by being baptized as a sinner, although he knew no sin. That is this amazing story of the true radical story of Christmas, the cosmic story, the word becoming fresh, breaking into time and space. Well, throughout the whole of the Old Testament, we read of the prophets just telling us about God's love and sharing that he calls us to his heart because he wants to be in relationship with us. But the people stoned the prophets. They didn't listen. They rejected them. And then we know that after the book of Malachi, there's 400 years of an airy, divine silence. God did not speak. And then, on an ordinary night, in a little town of Bethlehem, who'd heard of Bethlehem? A baby was born. And in the first cries of that baby, the voice of God was heard once more. It's amazing. But accompanied with that was nothing ordinary at all, as I've said. It was cataclysmic. Angels appeared, there were dreams, there were divine revelations. There was this amazing accompaniment of God's presence with us again as never before. And I just think it's a fascinating study if you've never done this. There are over 400 prophecies of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament foretelling the Messiah. Some people say it's between 200 and 400. Some say it's as many as 410. But but go and have a look for yourself. It's extraordinary. You might think one or two are coincidental, but to have so many just telling exactly, perfectly tailor-made for Jesus Christ, it is awesome, isn't it? Let's have a look at the Message Bible, which is a wonderful version, John chapter 1, verse 14. Just what I've been saying, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I just love that. It's so down to earth. It's so real. Just into the hood, into the neighborhood, just one of us. (laughs) We saw the glory with our own eyes, John says. The one-of-a-kind glory, 
like father, like son. That's exactly what Jesus said. You all want to know what God is like, but if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Nothing that I do is not what the father's told me. Everything is the same. Like father, like son. And I love this next part. Generous, inside and out. (laughs) True from start to finish. Generous from inside out. True from start to finish. He comes to the neighborhood right where we are. Someone said earlier, there's no place to hide. (laughs) That's right. He knows our address. He knows where we live. He knows where we hang out. He knows everything about us. He comes to our neighborhood. Earlier this year, uh, Eugene Peterson passed away. He was an amazing man, a writer and a preacher, 85 years old. And he wrote this, this paraphrase message. And the message is a paraphrase. It's not the actual translation. But it's so contemporary. It reads like today's newspaper, except that it's much more accurate than the newspaper, and it's much more interesting than the newspaper, and it's not just about one day, it's about three centuries and a bit, and it's all good news. But he writes it in a way that's very readable and contemporary, and over 20 million copies have been sold of this. And the actual title of the message is God's Message of Love, because it is that gift of love that came down in the earth suit that grew up into the man Jesus. So what we're saying is the word becoming flesh, dwelling with us, living with us, it's almost unthinkable, and that's why people can't even understand it and believe it. But it is true. We know that it is true. The prophets foretold it. It is true. God wants to be intimately involved with our lives. He wants us to hear his voice, and he wants us to follow him. He came right into our world where we live through the person of Jesus Christ. And you might think, well, what reigning king would leave the splendor of his riches and glory and come and live in a slum? But that's what Jesus did. We read in Philippians 2 that he emptied himself. He became as nothing just to be with us, to show us the God's glory right in our neighborhood, right where we live. So you might be sitting there thinking, well, My picture of God doesn't quite tally up to that. Maybe you have had a picture of God as some rather aloof, distant deity who's not really involved. Or maybe you do feel you know him, but you don't share all of the details with him. You think he's so busy dealing with the world's big problems, he wouldn't listen to you. Maybe you've thought of him almost like a Santa Claus, and come on, it is Christmas. God rewards those for good behavior. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that he came and got his hands and feet dirty with our soil because he wanted to show us through his life the Father's heart, the Father's love. He came close enough for us to touch him and for him to hold us. And if you've not felt that love, I want to urge you this Christmas, this moment, this morning, open yourself to experience that. Remember how the children just clambered all over him and the disciples were wanting to chase them away and he said, no, don't shoo them away. Let them come. That's the generosity. That's the truth that we read about. They wanted to come. This is Jesus who could have spoken a word and a blind man would have been healed, but no, he didn't. He took up some soil and mud and he spat in it and he mixed it up and he put it on the eyes I mean, he was touching, he was involved, he was getting dirty 
And he said, go and wash. And when he washed, this man could see. And he just couldn't keep quiet. I mean, he was hopping around ecstatic. Of course he would be. That's Jesus. And there was that leper full of ulcerated, pussy sores, hanging back, feeling not belonging, feeling rejected and outcast, alone. And Jesus went straight to him and touched him. He didn't have to touch him. They were reviled. And he's, the leper said, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I want to. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, I've got areas that are so hurting. I've got areas that, quite frankly, are a stench because they've just hurt me and worried me for so long. I've been blinded by so many wrong thinkings and unforgiveness or bitterness. Just allow Jesus to touch you and to make that whole and to take that away. That's who he is. This is this beautiful love gift that God gave his best, his son, Jesus, who washed the disciples' feet, who walked day after day, dusty mile after dusty mile, to show us God's love. Those arms who loved so were stretched out on a cross and he took everything that could possibly separate you and me from a oneness with God so we can really live in that fullness, that intimacy with God as never before. May this be the Christmas that you truly experience the richness of his forgiveness and of his love. Jesus lived out his love as never before. So he moved into the neighborhood right to be in our world, but now it's getting up close and personal. God comes into our lives. Many of us know that. But he never forces his way in. And maybe you've just opened a crack to him. Maybe you've opened just a tiny part to him. Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. And this is John's vision to the church at Laodicea. And it's such an amazing, powerful picture. Such a personal picture. Jesus Christ knocking. And he's asking that you would let him in. You see... All of that unleashed power that flung the galaxies into space, he will wait until you ask him. So Jesus will only come. God will come into our lives at our invitation. Come in, Lord Jesus. And it's so lovely that he says, whoever opens, I will come in and I will fellowship with him. The old version says, sup with him. And it's so lovely. It's like sitting down and having a meal. And you know when you have a meal with someone and you really share and you break bread and you share, you can just get to know the heart of that person, really know the person and chatter away. Can you sense that's the kind of intimacy that he wants with us to come into our hearts? God's best was given that first Christmas. And when we realize that this creator of the whole universe has come on this rescue mission, not just for everybody out there, but for you, for me. That's why he's waiting at our heart door for us to come in. He wants to renew. He wants to re-energize. He wants to realign us to God. Surely our response is this. Let's look at Ephesians 3, 
14 to 19 in the Ephesians, in the, good, in the Message Bible. My response, Paul says, is to get down on my knees before the Father. And this is my response too. When I realize that he came on this rescue mission for me, my response is to fall on my knees. This magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth, I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit. And I do ask him to strengthen you by his spirit. Not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. That's amazing. The extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test the length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. I can hear that orchestra again. If you don't experience that fullness, if you haven't begun to understand the extravagance of God's love, just pray as I'm talking, because it's a sigh, it's a heartbeat, because the highest point and purpose of your life is to open your life more and more to Jesus Christ. It starts with one decision, just one decision, saying yes. And then it's a journey. It's a daily surrendering more and more. Some people have known the Lord for years and years. And they are limping along bravely. And I just so often when I meet people who are really battling, I just pray with all of my being that they would experience the surge of God's love and freedom. And to really open themselves to experience all that he has for them. It's not about how long you've known him but it's about how much you know him, how much you love him. This can be the best Christmas for you ever if you do that. Open your heart and your life to him. He transforms our mundane into the magnificent. <laughs> he really does. He transforms the grime of the gutters into his glory. That's what he does. And it's in daily things in life. I've often shared here when I'm ironing sometimes or scrubbing or doing simple chores, especially gardening, you just have a sense of the awesome wonder of God's reality. Sometimes I just fall on my knees in the middle of all sorts of places and just worship. He transforms the mundane into the miraculous, into the, the magnificent. Remember in um, John 1.14, we read that we all saw his glory it was one of a kind glory. Well, Colossians 1.27 says that when you've got Christ living in your heart, Christ in you is your hope of glory. Woohoo! <laughs> you do have his glory. It's an extraordinary thing. So God comes into our world, our neighborhood. God comes into our lives through our invitation to make us whole, to renew us, to give us a fresh start. And then finally, God comes into our community. What do I mean by that? When you receive Jesus and he is full in you and he is your Lord, the most remarkable thing happens. He uses you. <laughs> he sends you out. 
And just as he went out into the sad and sick and weary world, he sends us to do that too, to go out, to do things, to meet people, to go places we never thought we would do. He's done that with my life all along. The fact that I'm even here talking to you, and I came for years and just sat at the back there, you never know how he's going to use you. It's just amazing. All I'm saying is be available, be of use to him, because that's what he does when he comes in. We are his church, and it's not about bricks and mortar. We are living stones, and Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the one who holds it all together. And we go out into the world as his hands and his feet, and we get our hands and our feet dirty with this world. That's what he's called us to do. I've had the privilege of going up into the Himalayas, the border of Tibet and Nepal, where they'd never seen a white woman before, especially an older one. <laughs> and they came and they sort of rubbed my skin and the children were crying. And, and, I've also, <laughs> and I've also been in the depths of Limpopo in South Africa to do things. And, and they also had the same reaction. I thought, what is it? <laughs> but um, it's just amazing because God's love that propelled Jesus to leave the throne of glory and come into the world propels us to go to the furthest places and do the most ridiculous things sometimes to share his goodness, his generosity, his love. And I just pray that he does that with you in full measure. Let's read again um, from the message, and it's Matthew 5, 13 to 16. And it says, Matthew 5, 13 to 16. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Isn't that beautiful? You are to bring out the God flavors in this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. I mean, that's pretty straight talk. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. It's not a secret to be kept. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, Jesus says, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand now that I've put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. <laughs> Keep open house. Here's that word again. Be generous with your lives. Remember right at the beginning, generous, inside and out, true from start to finish. That's God's hallmark, generosity. So Christmas is a time of giving. Be generous, not just with gifts and money, but be generous with yourself, with your prayers, with your caring, wherever you go. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to be open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. You see, it's not just about bigger and bigger churches where people can come and hear the good news, but it's about being salt and light, about getting out there in the neighborhood, being his hands and his feet. And this Christmas, and as we close, would the band please come up? This Christmas... When you look at the lights twinkling, and aren't they beautiful, just remember that, that you are the light of the world because Jesus is the light of the world and he lives in you. 
And he says to you, shine. May this Christmas be a time where you shine in the dark places. You might be at Christmas lunch and there's bickering in the family. Be the light that shines. You might be some, with somebody who's so lonely and who feels very neglected. Maybe you see somebody who's looking so downcast. Be that light. It would be just wonderful if all over the world, over this community, lights lit up to show God's amazing life. And as you sit tucking into the big feasts this Christmas, just remember the words, you are the God flavors around that table. So let your words be life-giving. Let all that you do show his goodness. We've talked about the trad, the traditional, the baby, the manger, Joseph, the shepherds, the mince pies, the turkey, the glitter. In all its glory, that's okay, but that's not Christmas. <laughs> We've talked about the rad, the radical, the real meaning of Christmas, how the word became flesh and blood and came to our neighborhood. He came years and years ago, died on the cross, but he comes into our lives now, here, in the most relevant, life-changing way. And because he comes into our lives, we go out into the neighborhood, the full circle, and we just see God at work more and more and more. We just close in worship with you, Lord. And as the band begins to sing, we just say, Lord, we thank you for the true meaning of Christmas, of love coming down in all its fullness in Jesus. Thank you. Amen.